today's episode, another mass shooting, nukes in space, and immigrants good for the economy. This is Next with Flex. Let's get it done. Welcome, everyone, to episode 24 of Next with Lex. I am your host, Lex Luthor, and I read the news so you don't have to. Man, I woke up today feeling great. I'm in a good mood. I just feel good. But it's all a house of cards because of our first story that we're going to go over today, which is the Chiefs parade shooting that happened yesterday at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Second one of this week I've had to go over. Second mass shooting of the week. This one unfolded outside Union Station in Kansas City, Missouri, leaving one person dead, 22 injured. Like I said, this happened as the Chiefs and all their fans were celebrating their Super Bowl win. The city of Kansas City had more than 800 law enforcement officers on duty for this parade. That is a lot, as they expected over 1 million parade goers to attend the celebrations. Investigators are still working to determine the total number of victims in the incident, because we still don't know. But 20, like I said, 22 people uh, sustained gunshot wounds, one of them dead. Eight of the gunshot victims were hospitalized with immediately life-threatening injuries, with seven having just life-threatening injuries. I, what is the difference between an immediate life-threatening injury and a life-threatening injury, aren't they? What, what, one's like you're shot in the head and one's you're just bleeding on the ground i'm pretty sure if you're shot with a gun it's always serious it always life-threatening no matter what tragically children's mercy kansas city hospital admitted and treated a total of 12 patients from wednesday shooting including 11 children aged between 6 and 15 jesus christ nine of the patients were gunshot victims and three were being treated for incidental injuries probably caused by the stampeding of people it's all over the internet you've probably seen it already if you haven't the moments when the shooting breaks out and you just see, I'm going to play the video right now. It sucks. Like you watch it and you just sit here thinking, what would you do in that situation? And why are there so many of these things happening? What a shame. Here's a clip. Tonight, panic and chaos in Kansas City, just as the victory celebration was ending. This was the moment that gunfire rang out. You could hear it in the crowd. Our station affiliate KMBC broadcasting live when the shots were fired. Shots were fired west of Union Station near the garage. Multiple people were struck. Hundreds of terrified fans running for their lives. Literally the screen, I played that much of that clip just because I wanted to show if you're watching this on Spotify, if you're watching the clips I'm going to put on TikTok or whatever you're watching, you just see like those shots of panic. Like that's just, it's horrific. Again, police are still trying to find out what happened here. We know that three people have been detained so far. One of the weapons has been recovered from the crime scene. Thank God only one person's dead. Thanking God. Could have been a hell of a lot worse. So they're trying to determine, hey, did these gunmen, was this a targeted, was this one person that was killed, was that a targeted and everyone else just kind of got caught in the gunfire? Were these people shooting at each other? We, we don't know what this is. Was this a planned mass shooting? Was this a targeted hit? Was this an unprovoked or people getting too drunk and whatever, having an argument kind of thing? We're about to find out. So police are investigating. We'll bring the latest to you as soon as we get it. I'll try to break that news on TikTok. Of course, I'll update you as soon as we have a motive. Just hate to see these things. Well, now that we're all perked up from that heart-lifting story, why don't we just get into more fear-mongering? Earlier in the day yesterday, Ohio Republican Representative Mike Turner, who's the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, said in a statement that his panel had, quote, made available to all members of Congress information concerning a serious national security threat. 
Now, while this memo that was passed around to Congress got leaked to the press, there have been a couple individuals that have spoken anonymously to ABC News and various other media outlets stating that this is related to Russia's ability to put a nuke in space. So it looks like Russia is putting a nuke into space, not to drop down on Earth, but to destabilize uh, our satellites and shoot them at our satellites. I watched an interview with Leon Panetta, who is the previous CIA director and Homeland Security director under Barack Obama. He was stating that this just being an element, if they were to shoot and knock out one of our satellites, it would be an act of war. Of course, it would be an act of war. And this is very concerning because everything we do is connected to GPS, communication satellites, all these different things. So if those systems were to get knocked out before or during war, it would leave us pretty vulnerable, right? So it's definitely something to be worried about. Now, how worried should we be? How imminent is this threat? So as it turns out, the White House already planned to brief the Gang of Eight. And for your knowledge, who is the Gang of Eight? Let me hit you with some knowledge. The Gang of Eight is a term for a set of the eight leaders within the United States Congress who are briefed on classified intelligent matters by the executive branch. So usually the president or direct spokesman for the president in the White House will sit down with all the leaders of these committees. They call the Gang of Eight. It's like the heads of the who's who in Congress. And then they determine what to do from there. Specifically, the Gang of Eight includes the leaders of each of the two parties from both the Senate and the House. So that's going to be your Senate majority and minority leader and your House majority and minority leaders and the chairs and ranking minority members of both the Senate committee and House committee for intelligence. So that's the eight people. So that means there's four Democrats, four Republicans on this committee. So currently you have Mike Turner, the Republican from Ohio, who's the chairman of this committee. He's the one who released this memo. The White House already planned to brief the Gang of Eight on this, and this is the White House's response to this memo. I reached out uh, earlier this week to the Gang of Eight uh, to offer myself for a, up for a personal briefing to the Gang of Eight. And in fact, we scheduled a briefing for the four House members of the Gang of Eight tomorrow. Uh, that's been on the books. So I am a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to go sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals tomorrow. That's his choice to do that. All I can tell you is that I'm focused on going to see him, sit with him, as well as the other House members of the Gang of Eight tomorrow. And I'm not in a position to say anything further from this podium at this time. He says, other than that, the administration's very open and they like to declassify whatever information. So what they're going to do is they're going to determine whether or not the president should declassify this information to the American public. Is this something that the American public needs to be aware of? This is, it's democracy. You know, we have a transparent government. So being able to see what's going on they're going to determine, look, is there information here that is detrimental to our national security or do, does everybody need to know about it? So they're going to determine that. We'll see if it's going to be released. They were not able to catch up with Mike Turner for a comment based on it because obviously he's embarrassed it got leaked. However, they were able to catch up with House Majority Leader Mike Johnson, and this is what he had to say. Speaker Johnson. Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson now trying to calm Americans after the Republican House Intelligence Chairman sounded the alarm. I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. We are going to work together to address this matter. Steady hands are at the wheel. We're working on it, and there's no need for alarm. Steady hands are at the wheel. <laughs> I don't know why I noticed that in his voice. The wheel. So he doesn't seem too alarmed. He's like, it's embarrassing. It got leaked, but we'll keep you apprised. So we have Russians wanting to possibly put nukes in space. I assume that we have some sort of satellite knocking out capability ourselves. In the previous mentioned interview I saw with Leon Panetta, he mentioned how during the Obama administration, it was a big concern that China had lasers that could possibly knock our satellites out of orbit or do like do something to keep them out of commission. And now, I mean, lasers are a little bit more 21st century 
century. You're like, what, what are we putting nukes in space for? Come on. This is like the movie Armageddon, right? With Ben Affleck. Didn't they go put like a nuke in the asteroid and Aerosmith's daughter saved the world or something like that? So it's interesting. We get two bits of Russia for one day because that's Russia story number one. And I'm going to segue into Russia story number dos, which is Vladimir Putin talking about who he prefers to be president of the United States. BBC had an article on this. CNN, Fox, everyone's got an article on this thing. And here's a nice picture of Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden having a good laugh. Vladimir Putin in an interview said that he thought that Biden was, quote, more experienced, more predictable. He's a politician of the old formation, but we will work with any U.S. leader whom the American people trust. Very political answer, Putin. So Russian President Vladimir Putin came out stating that he would prefer Joe Biden as president over Donald Trump. Again, is this a tactic and a ploy to kind of reverse psychology on the American people? Like, oh, well, if he likes Biden, maybe we shouldn't vote for Biden. We should vote for Trump. Or maybe he just means like, hey, I understand American politics better with Joe Biden than Trump because Trump can just go off the rails. He's a wild card. Guys, why aren't the brakes working? Because I cut the brakes! Wild card, bitches! So Trump's a wild card. So maybe it's true. We'll see. So Trump comes out and this is a nice little publicity thing for Trump. He comes out and uses this to his advantage. Let's hear what Trump had to say at a rally in South Carolina. That's where the next primary is going to be at a rally yesterday. This is what Trump had to say about Putin's comments. But before I even arrive at the Oval Office, I will win the presidency. I will be doing things that will be amazing. Like I will get the war between Russia and Ukraine settled forthwith. It'll be settled very quickly. <laughs> President Putin of Russia has just given me a great compliment, actually. He's just said that he would much rather have Joe Biden as president than Trump. Now, that's a compliment. A lot of people said, oh, gee, that's too bad. No, no, that's a good thing. So two sides of the coin here could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. I just think it's interesting. I do remember when Trump was in office, Putin saying something along the lines of uh, how unpredictable Trump was. And it kind of worried him because obviously if Putin makes a move, like, is this the kind of guy that would maybe push hard back using military force on Russia and throw us into World War Three? Whereas Biden's more of a proxy. We're going to pay Ukraine to do it. So we'll see what happens here. On the same day, we got news of Russia possibly putting nukes in space and we got Putin endorsing Biden. Biden to be president again, although he thinks that Biden's attitude towards his status in Ukraine is destabilizing to the world. So that's your latest uh, latest on Trump. The final article of the day I want to go over is a nice little article in the Wall Street Journal about immigration. We've talked extensively about immigration at the southern border, how 3.6 million illegal immigrants are flowing in from the southern border each year. That's about 10,000 per day, and that is a Department of Homeland Security statistic. It's on their website. That that's what they're saying. That could be lower. It could be higher. But either way, that's a lot of illegals coming over. Again, I always have to make the statement that most of these people are seeking a better life, just like our families did generations ago, like my great grandfather escaping from Poland to escape the Soviets. Like, that's what it is. Like, these people are trying to leave shitty places and countries that are not doing too hot and bring their families for a better life here. So Wall Street Journal, which is a conservatively leaning paper and publication, but very good when it comes to the economy and finance financial news talks about how recent migrants are expected to be paid lower and be but also be less productive than the predecessors However, they're expecting the recent immigration rush to boost our economy in the long term. Although it is a problem, we got to figure this border security issue out. There is a benefit to having all these immigrants flow in. And a lot of people are like, they're taking a good opportunity to play it. It's two days in a row. 
They took our jobs. They took your jobs. They took your jobs. They're not taking your jobs. They're taking jobs that people don't want. Unless you want to go work in the field or want to go roof down in Texas or whatever you want to do, you you can do that. That's that's cool. I listened to a podcast from the New York Times that had a, a lawyer that's been stuck in Peru for like the past six months trying to get over here. I'm like, yo, let, let the lawyer in. If you're educated, if you're a lawyer or you're a doctor, you should be fast tracked right in here, baby. Brain drain all these other countries. Let's take all their best embrace because that's America, baby. That's what we do. We're the melting pot, which means we take what is best from everybody and we make it our own. It's the best part about being American. Some people call it cultural appropriation. I call it being an American, man. It's what we've always done. Manifest destiny. So all these immigrants ha- rushing over does have a benefit, a bigger, faster growing economy. So the predicted economic boost was laid out in the recent Congressional Budget Office's long-term budget and economic outlook report. Jesus, what a name. That's the name of the report. The Congressional Budget Office's latest long-term budget and economic outlook released February 7th. Jesus. Talk about bureaucracy. It estimates the labor force will be larger by 1.7 million potential workers in 2024 and 5.2 million more. So about 3% more in 2033. So 5.2 million people more than they originally expected. So the GDP, the gross domestic product, the value of all goods and services produced in a year should be about 2.1% larger due to this because those extra workers will be paying taxes. A lot of people don't realize that if you're an immigrant, you pay taxes and you don't get the same benefits of of being a citizen of the United States. So although you're not a citizen, you still pay taxes. So because those extra workers will be paying taxes and generating economic activity that also yields tax revenue, like grocery shopping, going out to dinner, buying clothes, buying cars, the federal deficit should be smaller at 6.4% of GDP in 2033, rather than the 7.3% it projected last year. So although there's a lot of people coming over, some of them, which could be bad hombres, it's mostly good to have immigrants. You can ask most small business owners, immigrants are good. They're good for business. So if we can control, let the good ones in, keep the bad ones out, everybody wins. Everyone wins. We wrap up today's show with Today in History. In 1898, the Maine explodes. No, not the state, but a massive U.S. battleship that was chilling out in Havana's Harbor in Cuba in 1898, protecting American interests just after an uprising against Spanish rule in Havana. A massive explosion of unknown origin sunk the ship while in harbor, killing 260 of the 400 sailors aboard. This happened in January of 1898. Just two months later, an official U.S. Naval Court of Inquiry ruled that the ship was blown up by a mine. So in two months, all that latest and greatest science of the 1898, they were able to determine it very rapidly that it was a mine. But they did this so without directly placing blame on Spain. Remember, Spain was in control of Cuba at this time. Much of Congress and majority of the American public expressed little doubt that Spain was responsible and called for a declaration of war. Subsequent diplomatic failures to resolve the main matter, coupled with the United States' indignation over Spain's brutal suppression of the Cuban rebellion and continued losses of American investment led to the outbreak of the Spanish-American War in April of 1898. So we had a ship blow up in January and three months later, we are at war, baby. Now we all know the outcome of this, just like everything we're involved. Ooh, I get so patriotic with this shit. Spanish-American War lasts just three months. In three months, the United States had decisively defeated Spanish forces on land and sea. And in August, an armistice halting the fighting happened. On December 12th of 1898, the same calendar year, we declared war, ship was blown up in January, and we signed a peace treaty in December. So within 12 months, an event happened happened to get us into war. We declared war. We kicked the shit out of Spain. And then we signed a peace treaty. So a 
peace treaty was signed between the U.S. and Spain, officially ending the Spanish-American War and granting the United States its first overseas empire with the ceding of such former Spanish possessions as Puerto Rico, which my wife and I will be going to here in a couple months. I love Puerto Rico. Beautiful place. Awesome people. Delicious food. Get some mofongo. Oh, let's go. Can't wait to go to Puerto Rico. So we get Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines. Interestingly enough, a little tidbit from this is history.com's website. In 1976, a team of American naval investigators concluded that the main explosion was likely caused by a fire that ignited its ammunition stocks, not by a Spanish mine or act of sabotage. So a group of divers went down using some forensics. They figured out, hey, I think someone was probably like smoking a cigarette or something down in the galley or whatever, down in the ammunition stockpile and blows up the ship. They blame it on Spain. We go to war and look what happened. We won in three months and we get a bunch of territory, including the beautiful Puerto Rico. Yo, you got questions? Hit me up on all the socials at Lex Luthor. You can also email me at nextwithlexshow at gmail.com if you wish to opine. That's nextwithlexshow at gmail. And don't forget to follow the show wherever you get your podcast from so you can get the news from your boy Lex Luthor five days a week. Let's go kick some ass today, everyone. I know I am. We're blowing up on TikTok. Go follow me there. Catch you tomorrow, deuces.